0: Well, <clears throat> well, good morning. Uh, my name's Jason. I'm our pastoral resident here at Grace Point, and I'm happy to be up here continuing our series, Recalibrate, this morning. Uh, do we have any football fans here? Ooh, a couple, all right. I won't tell you who uh, my favorite team is. That way, you'll listen to what I say for the rest of the time because you might not like me if I share that with you. Uh, but yesterday was a great day. I love watching college football. My wife and I got to go watch our niece yesterday. So me and my niece sat there and watched football all day long. Couldn't ask for a much better day. But today, I'm excited to be here, finish or, or, or continuing our series talking about recalibrate, looking at God's will and how it affects our lives. Uh, Last week, we looked back at God's sovereign will, and if you didn't catch that message, you can go online, hear that message, get caught up. But this week, we're going to look at God's moral will. So before we begin, let's define both of these. God's sovereign will, it's the decrees or the commands that God makes concerning his creation and purposes that will be carried out no matter what we do. All were in his mind before he created the world. So that's what we looked at last week, and this week we're gonna look at his moral will. That's the commands that God gives us for how we're to live that we can impact by obeying them or by not obeying them. And I mentioned football earlier because that's an illustration I'll use throughout this message. It could be football, another team sport you could pick, But I was thinking football because that's the time of year it is. You know, in football, they have plays. The plays are important. The coach gives a playbook to all the players and says, here's what we're going to do. If you're on offense, here's the things you need to do. You need to know who to block, who to hit, you need to know what route to run, where to throw it, where to run. It tells you everything you need to know. So when the players go out and the coach calls a play, you know, you might hear it on TV when they're changing plays and all that, or you see them hold those signs up on the sidelines that have all the pictures on them. We have no idea what it means, but the players know exactly what it means, or they should, because they've memorized all those plays. So when you hear Blue 19 or Omaha, it means something to them. It tells them what they're going to do next. Now the players, or at least tells them what they should do next, right, if they remember the play. If they want to run it sometimes they don't though maybe they forget the play maybe they decide i don't really want to do that play and it doesn't go well it turns into a blown play and maybe the quarterback gets sacked or they turn the ball over and it doesn't go like it's supposed to do supposed to go i was gonna pull up some of those plays and show them here and i thought oh i'll find a bunch of ohio state ones of you know plays that they've run badly and things have gone wrong but it's really hard to find those. It's a lot easier to find Michigan plays where they've <laughs> done wrong things. <clears throat> and so I didn't want to embarrass myself or be sad by showing bad Michigan plays. Uh, so just envision them in your mind. You can think, them, think of some of them. But what if I said, we're going to go run some plays in the parking lot right now. We'll get us an offensive line, somebody to, to be the quarterback, some wide receivers. And everybody in here this morning gets a chance to run a wheel route in the parking lot. Maybe some people know what that is and will get it, right? Maybe some people know. Or what if I say we're going to run Grace Point 12? It's a play I came up with. You all don't know what it is, though, because I haven't given you the playbook and told you what Grace Point 12 is yet. Knowing the plays would be important to success in any team sport. Knowing God's plays for our lives, his moral will is important for success in our Christian life. So let's take a look and see What that looks like. The first thing we'll look at is God's moral will, and we'll answer the question, what is it? What is God's moral will for our life? Often it's called God's revealed will, because it's revealed to us in his word. It's the things he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is exactly how I want you to live. One person says it this way, God's revealed will is most clearly revealed in his word, which provides clear guidelines regarding moral and spiritual matters. Uh, So what is God's will for us then? Well, we could look through, starting in Genesis, and read verse by verse and find every single one this morning, but that would take a long time, and I promise, Pastor Harold I won't go more than two hours this morning. The first service laughed more at that because they knew this service was coming up, so I couldn't go two hours. You all were a little more scared. But no, we'll look at a couple here this morning, just a few that we've picked out that maybe they're some of the more important ones for us to do. First look at it, the first one, it is God's will that we learn more about God. And we'll be in Colossians one nine for this. It's page 1178 if you use the Bibles on the rows. But we'll, it's our, God's will that we learn more about him. Uh, look at Colossians one nine. It says, for this reason also... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We looked at this back in our series on Colossians, um, but looking back at it, here the author is praying that believers would grow in their walk, and not just their walk with God, but their understanding of, of God. It's literally God's will that we know more about him. Oftentimes we call it our walk with God is growing in him, and we'll touch on that more in a moment, but we call it a walk because that's what it is, right? Knowing more about God isn't a run, it's not a sprint in our race, it's a slow developing thing. We don't get saved and instantly know everything in the Bible and know everything perfectly how to live although that would be awesome if we did, it's a slow process of slowly growing and understanding and knowing more about what God's revealed to us. It's similar to any relationship, right? Be it with a friend, with your spouse, it takes time to know them. Know who they are, know what they like, understand them. It's a walk, not maybe a run, so to speak. But here the author, he prays that they grow in wisdom, and understanding about God. It's a prayer we should be praying for ourselves, that we grow deeper in our knowledge of God, we grow in wisdom. It's a prayer we should be praying for other Christians as well. We should pray, hey, that they grow in their wisdom and their knowledge of God. The truth is God wants us to know more about him. Uh, It's also God's will that you grow uh, in your walk with God, I mentioned that uh, for a moment, and there's a whole bunch of verses that talk about our relationship with God, but look at 2 Peter 3.18. The Bible says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in your relationship with him. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow spiritually. Grow in our walk with him. Grow in grace. Grow in the the use of our spiritual gifts in our Christian walk. Uh, think about our Christian life. If we're not growing, we're not moving forward. Uh, think about plants. I don't know a lot about plants, except for that I'd kill them. If you leave me your plants to take care of, my wife has a whole bunch of plants. She's good at that, um, so she can correct me if I'm wrong. But if you have all kinds of plants in your house, and they're brown and shriveled up and not growing, you're not doing a good job taking care of them, right? Right? I think that's it if they're growing and green and producing fruit if they're that kind of plant they're doing well growth is a positive thing in plants Well, it's positive in our christian life as well uh, god wants us to move forward grow deeper understand him more and be more like jesus he also says it's his will it's god's will that we study his word And there's how we grow. There's how we grow deeper in our Christian life. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 15 and 16. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Study God's word, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So God wants you to know his word. And this takes personal effort on our part, right? If we go back to that football or or any sports illustration where they have plays, it takes effort of everybody on the team to know the plays. They can't just take the playbook and look at it one time and set it aside and hope they're good for the game, right? It's not like you pick up an Xbox controller and play Madden football and it gives you all the plays right there. They have to know what the coach is calling. They have to study it. And we have to do the same with God's word. The verse says be diligent or study. It gives the idea of putting in some effort, right? In college, studying wasn't my favorite thing, right? I, I did not enjoy picking up a textbook and studying for an exam. Now, if it was writing a paper, I could write a paper while watching a movie or you know multitasking and rock it, and it would be a great paper. But studying for tests... I tried the same thing. Let's play Xbox and set the textbook there and hope by the morning I'm ready for the test, right? It didn't work out too well. I tried the, you know, sleep on the book as your pillow and hopefully it'll just kind of absorb. It didn't work either. Studying takes some personal effort. It takes buckling down and saying, all right, I want to learn this. I want to know this. I need to be able to apply it to my life. And we need God's word because it's important to us. It's our, our playbook, our guidebook for life. It tells us how we're supposed to live as Christians. It tells us it's good for us and helpful for us in our lives. The last one we'll look at here for, you know, what is God's will for our life? Uh, it is, what is God's moral will? It's God's will that we share the gospel. We look at the end of Matthew here in verse, uh, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is about to give the Great Commission to his disciples, and it applies to us. Look at Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Share the gospel, but but walk with them as well, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." That verse there says, go. If you want a definition of it, Jesus is saying, go. It's, it's simple. It means that he's telling them, hey, this is your action. Go do it. Go take the gospel and share it to those around you. Go make disciples. That means make other followers of Jesus. He's giving the idea that just because we've shared the gospel and someone's placed their faith in Jesus, we don't stop there and leave them on their own. Now we, we, we walk with them through life. We use that term here, walk with people. We continue to help teach them, help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. The idea is that we do it so well that then they take out the gospel and they share it with somebody and they walk with them through life and make another person that can then go and share the gospel. That task that Jesus gives the disciples and gives us here to share the gospel is a daunting one if it's up to one of us or even just this room here to reach 7 billion people. It's a daunting task. But when we work together as a team and everyone's reaching people and we're, we're leading people to Christ, we're helping teach them how to do it, and the team grows It becomes easier and easier to reach more people. Think back to football. It's important that when the play is called, everybody does their job. The offensive line blocks, the quarterback throws, the running back runs, the wide receivers run their correct route, because if somebody doesn't, it can throw the whole play off. Think about our Christian life, right? It would be hard if all we had on a football team was a quarterback and nobody else. They wouldn't be successful. If we just have one person sharing the gospel It can be challenging. It's a daunting task, but when it's all of Christians doing that task that Jesus gives, working together as a team, it becomes a much less daunting challenge. Again, we could talk about Jesus' commands in the Bible all morning long, right? Uh, We could look at one after another and spend the whole time here but this is what God's moral will is for our life. It's these things He gives us that we can either choose to obey or not obey. It's what He wants us to do. So the next question is then all right, well, what makes them important? Look at God's moral will and we'll answer the question why is it important then? Why is His moral will important? Uh, one person said it this way after a person becomes a Christian, The next most important step to ascertain is the will of God for his life. The most vital question for a Christian is, what is God's will for my life? All right, I'm a Christian, what does he want me to do now? The Christian is not only asked to know the will of God, but he's commanded to know it for his life and do it. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 17. The Bible says, So then do not be foolish... But understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Nobody wants to be called foolish. That's a negative term. I don't think anybody wants to be known as a foolish person. So if you don't want to be foolish, understand God's will for your life. Understand what it is, how to do it, why it's important. Uh, Think about natural laws that we see as, as science will call them. We see certain things that happen and they always happen. It's, it's science, right? It's really God created it that way and created these natural laws. Um, but think about one simple one. If I start a fire right here in the auditorium, and we have these great things called nerves that give us pain receptors, and so if I asked everybody to come stick their arm in the fire, if you hadn't learned that fire's not good to stick your arm in, your body would tell you very quickly that you should get your arm out of the fire or else it's going to burn. That's a great thing to have, right? We don't normally like pain, but it's very good to have pain because if not, we'd be going around touching things that hurt us, touching things that burn us. So it's good to know that those things are harmful. God's designed it that way. Imagine now not having that sense of pain, the chaos that it would send us into in life, right? The, the pain that we would go through, the, the, the harm we would do without even knowing it. Well, now God gives us his will he created these natural laws like pain so we don't get hurt he's created his moral will and says hey i've designed life i know what's best for you as a christian do it this way just like god says i know it's best if you don't stick your arm in a fire because it'll hurt you he says i know how you should best live so live it out this way Uh, think about maybe playing a board game like monopoly i like monopoly Um, My wife and friends don't like to play with me because I win and I might not be the best winner, Uh, but I like playing Monopoly. But now imagine we're playing Monopoly with the inventor of the game, and we've all got our house rules, right? How we play at our house, it might be what helps me win, Um, and it's frustrating if you don't play the way you're used to, right? Imagine the inventor of Monopoly coming and playing with all of us in our own house rules and we were cheating and, and not playing the way it was designed to be played, it'd be really frustrating for that person. It's also frustrating maybe if you come to my house and you don't normally play the way I do, and I've created some rules to help me win, and you can't use the rules that help you win, it's going to be frustrating for you because you're not used to doing it that way. The rules are different. Uh, uh, imagine back to the football illustration. The coach calls a play, and he says, all right, let's throw it to the running back on a screen. Offensive line, you block. Wide receivers, you block. But the wide receivers decide not to. They don't want to block. They want to catch passes, so they don't block. The play gets blown up in the backfield. The running back gets tackled. The coach is mad. The players are mad. The fans at home are now mad watching it because their team's not doing well. It sounds like it's probably a Michigan game. Um, But the play would fail because they didn't run it right. They didn't follow the rules. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Uh, one person says this, don't expect God to reveal his will for you next week until you practice it for today. Why do I say that with all of that is because this is the reason God's will is so important. His moral will is so important because he tells us, hey, this is how I have designed life. This is how it's best for you to live in. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Right at the very beginning, the Bible tells us God created everything. Why is God's moral will so important? It's because he created everything. He created life, he created the Christian life, and he knows how it best ought to be lived. He set up how things should run. He sees the big picture, and oftentimes we want to know the big picture. We want to know those things that are years out here, but God says, hey, do the things I've already told you to do. Go back to football. The coach, you want to score a touchdown, but the coach says we've got to run plays to get to the end zone. We're not just going to end up there from the very beginning most times. We've got to get there. Someone has well said it this way, that most people don't really want to know the will of God in order to do it, but they want to know it in order to consider it. We want it to be an option for us. But I challenge us that it's not something just for us to consider, but we're supposed to do it because it's the best way for us to live our lives. It's the best way for the Christian life to be lived out because God created it that way. That's why it's so important for us. So if we know it's important, we know what it is, Where do I find it then? How do I know what it is for my life? Look at God's moral will. Where can I find it? Maybe many of us have asked that question How do I know what God's will is? And God says it here first in the Bible. It's in His Word that He's given to us. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He tells us His Word will light our path. It will guide us. Think about hiking at night or in the the dusk as the sun's going down. Typically, you have a flashlight or a lantern or something to give you light. Why? Because you don't know the path. You might lose the path. You might hit a rock, a stump, something in your way. You want a light to show you what's coming up, a light to guide you on the path. That's what the Bible does for us in our life. We need guidance on how we're supposed to live life. We look to God's Word. We need guidance for what the next decision is in our life. We look to his word. We'll be amazed at how much it has to tell us. Uh, You'd be amazed to know all the things that are in there that God can help us through in our life, that he's revealed already to us. Oftentimes we say, oh man, I don't know what to do. I've got a decision coming up and who can I get advice from or I'll Google the answer to it. Maybe it'll be there when we should first look to God's word and see what it says. We already looked at 2 Timothy 2, you know, uh, be diligent, study God's word. We need to study it so we know what God wants us to do. Uh, It's the directions for life. Uh, Think about building something. Most of the time it comes with directions. And just like God's moral will, you have the option of whether or not you want to build the item with the directions. Now, some people say, I don't need directions. I'm going to look at the picture. Um, I won't, you know, call anybody by name like Logan that said that to me the other day. Um, But we had to build these Rubbermaid cabinets. And he said, I'm just going to look at the picture and go for it. And he claims he got his done faster than me because I read the directions. But ask him whose was missing pieces. Now, it wasn't his fault that it was missing pieces. The box was missing them. But, you know, it's still a great illustration for not following directions. Think about our life, though. God gives us the directions. That's silly. It was an easy thing to build. You really didn't need the directions for it. But our life is much more complicated than this cabinet was to build. And God tells us how we can know his will. One pastor puts it this way. He says, the better you get to know the word of God the less confusing is the will of God. Those who struggle the least with the will of God are those who know the word of God best. Uh, John Piper said it this way, so do you see the implications of saying that we discover God's will from his word? It means that if you're really serious about wanting to do God's will, you will become a meditative student of his word. Uh, He says meditative because it's not just memorizing facts, but it's a knowledge of trajectories. And we get that by asking questions like, what's the point? Where does this lead to? Why did the passage say this? Where is it heading? What does that imply? He says, if you're not spending time in God's word, spending this time in meditative study of God's word, then you're probably, uh, then probably doing God's will on earth is not our passion in our life. He says, if you don't read God's word, it's probably not our passion to do God's will because we can't know God's revealed will if we don't know what he's told us to do. So you might say, okay, well, how do I find that in his word? And he challenges us this way. Again, uh, continuing that quote, he says, may I suggest one? If you're discouraged and perplexed about God's will in some area of your life, plan the next couple weeks to find a quiet place alone and read the Bible meditatively for four hours, interspersed only by prayer. Here's what will happen. For some of you, the clouds of confusion will lift, and the trajectory of God's will will become perfectly clear. For others, the precise decision won't come that quickly, but you'll experience a wonderful purifying and stabilizing of your mind. He says, read God's word for four hours. Now you're going to sit here and go four hours hours like I did when I read that. I don't have four hours to do that. How long was the football game that I watched yesterday? It's at least three hours long, so, there, so we're close. I probably watched more than one, I'm sure. So there it is. We were challenged the same in our, our men's Bible study on Thursday night. We talked about reading the Bible for, Pastor Harold said, four hours and looking at what it says and seeing if that helps challenge and change our mind and show us What God's will is. Maybe it won't give us that in that moment, but it'll do this next thing that the Bible says by renewing our mind. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect here paul urges the church in rome he urges them not or urges them first to submit themselves as a sacrifice to the lord a sacrifice of your life serving him why because serving god for what he's done for us is reasonable he says he then challenges us not to be conformed or not to be like the world because we're different. We're called to live life as God's way, to be Christians. And how are we to do that then? He says by renewing your mind, making your mind new. That means putting in so many good things that the old things are pushed out. They're pushed away. Uh, spending time with God will make your mind clear. It may help you to the decision you need to make. Maybe it'll bring a verse up that makes that decision clear. Maybe God just wants you to take the next step and read his word and follow him, and he'll make our path clear as we read it. But when we renew our minds, we're better able to understand things the way God sees them. Lastly, you're saying, okay, how do I find God's will then? And it's by praying. Look at Matthew 6.10. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples the model prayer here. He gives them that. And in his prayer, he says that our prayers, modeled similarly here, should be Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How often our prayers can be about what I want and what I need and the healing I need or or, or the things someone else needs, and it's not Lord, let your will be done in this situation. James mentions that if we're lacking in that wisdom of what we need to know, he says we can ask God and he'll give it to us. If we don't know God's will for our life, we can pray and ask him to show it to us. Maybe it's simply that first step of reading our Bible to find it. Maybe we struggle with that. We can pray and ask God for wisdom understanding it. Pray and ask him for the strength to be able to do it. I know that the Lord... If we say, Lord, I want to grow in my walk with you, I want to grow deeper in you, he wants to grant that, yes. His will is for us to grow deeper and stronger as Christians. In short, the, the best way to sum this up, to know God's will, is to say, I will to God. God lays out his will and his word for us. Uh, his revealed will, his moral will, is what he's given us here in his word. And today we looked at what the moral will is. We looked at why it's important. We looked at uh, how we can find it. But God's moral will is so important because this is the things that God has commanded us to do as Christians. Uh, not just because it's for his enjoyment or because he says so, but because he created life and he knows how it's best for us to live it. We saw last week God's sovereign will the plan that will be carried out regardless of what we do. But God's moral will is essentially the part of the will where God says, here's what I want you to do, and he gives us the choice to do it or not do it. Will you read God's word? Will you make life, will you do life his way? Let's go ahead and we'll look at our takeaways here, and the band will come up in uh, just a moment, and we'll end this way. But look at our first takeaway It's that, it's simple, it's read God's word. It's the key to understanding God's moral will. Just like in football, he has a playbook that's given out to people, God's given us his manual for life, his playbook for life, his directions on how to live life, and he says this is the key to living life. If you want to do it, you have to read it, you have to study it, and on top of that, you then have to apply it. You have to live life God's way. And I know that's a vague takeaway, right? Live life God's way. That encompasses a lot in it and doesn't give you a lot of details. But number one, read the Bible gives you the details. If you read God's word, you have that relationship with him. You do what you read, do what he says. God has laid out these clear easy things to do in his word. Some of them are grow in him, read the Bible. Some of them are be with your church family. Some of them are share the gospel. But he's given us these challenges to do. If you want to know God's will, we have to know what the Bible says, and we then have to do it. If you follow the play in football, you can score a touchdown. If we follow God's word here, we can live life his way. Let's go ahead and stand And I'll close in prayer, and then the band will lead us in one more song. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day.